Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. to invite your attention to a passage of scripture in 2 Samuel 7, 22 through 24. The writer says, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people? even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for people to himself and to make him a name and to do for you great things and tremble for thy land, before thy people, which thou redeems to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. I want you to pay close attention to verse number 25. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as thou hast said. Eternal God, we are grateful to you. And we're thankful, Lord, to be in the house one more time, to be in the number, Lord. And we ask you, O oh Lord, while we're here, God, help us not just to be a hearer of the word, but help us to be a doer of it. Now, Lord, your servant, Lord, needs your anointing because it's through your anointing that yokes are destroyed and chains are broken. And Lord, when all of these things have taken place, souls are delivered, people are saved, People, O oh Lord, repented of their sins and have been baptized in your name. And you fill them with heaven's Holy Ghost. We'll remember to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. I want to minister to you from the thought coming from the last few words. Lord, do as thou hast said. Lord, do as thou hast said. Just a little backdrop. What happened in this seventh chapter? We find that one of God's anointed has a desire in his heart. Let me just stop here a moment. How many of you really have a desire to do some things for Jesus? See, I want somebody to know that if you've got a desire to do something for the Lord, he knows all about it. And sometimes it's our circumstances, sometimes it's our finances or lack thereof that causes us not to be able to do what we want to do for him. But it doesn't negate the fact that he knows your heart. And in this passage, at, at nighttime, 
David has this desire that's burning inside of him that he wants to do something for the Lord. He realizes that the Lord is dwelling in a tent, if you please. You you remember the story. It's the account of the children of Israel. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And in that 40 years, the Lord was with them, but he only seemed to be in this tent. And you know how it was when you walked in. You, you saw the brazen altar. Then you saw the brazen laver of water. Then you saw the holy place. And beyond the veil was the holiest of holies. And that's where the, the priests met with God. And God met with the priest. And the presence of God was in that place. But David said, you know what, Lord? Here I am in my cedar house. I'm living large, if you please, modern-day vernacular. I've got it going on. But look at where you're dwelling, God. I want to do something for you. So the Lord put in Nathan's heart, go tell David, do it. Do what you want. David got real happy about it. But you know, after a while, the Lord rescinded that. Because he said, David, I know your heart is in the right place. You want to do the right thing. You want to do something for me. But because you are a man of war, you shed blood. I can't let it go that way. You're going to have a son, and his name is going to be Solomon. And he's going to be the wisest man that the world has ever known. David, that's who's going to build the house. I want to help somebody right here, right now, because sometimes God will put something in your heart for you to do, but you may not be the one to see it come to fruition. God has placed it in your spirit to do this thing. But God says, "Uh uh-uh. I've got somebody else that's going to come along and pick up where you had it and take it all the way. David gathered all of the materials, everything that it was going to take to build this immaculate, beautiful place of worship, a temple like no other, where the presence of God will come in and dwell with the people. But David wasn't going to be the architect. He wasn't going to be the one that brings it to fruition. I want somebody to know that God blesses you and God is going to use what you have done. But you may not be the one. So David gathers all of the material together and then he recognizes I'm not going to be the one. But just because I'm not him, I can still rejoice. See, that's where you got to learn to rejoice with the others. In spite of where you're at, rejoice with them. You might be next in line for the blessing. But when you get a wrong attitude, a stinky attitude, you delay your blessing. You delay what God wants to do for you. As we read back over the text, he said, wherefore thou art great. How many of you know? We ought to exalt the Lord. We ought to magnify him. One place the psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's why I always solicit maybe one or two, maybe three or four people that will get with me and bless the Lord. David understood. And he's saying, thou art great, O Lord God. For there is none like you. How many of you know there's nobody like Jesus? He's sweeter than the honeycomb. Nobody like you. Neither is there any God beside thee. I want you to know there is only one God. There's only one God. 
am not he. I'm trying to tell you, sometimes we can put pastors, we can put leaders in a place where they are not supposed to be. You, what happens is, and, and I'm trying to help some church folk right now. It's all right. It's all right to pray for the man and woman of God. It's all right to encourage them. But when you begin to exalt them above measure, that's dangerous. Because what you actually begin to do is worship the creature more than the creator. I could rat, uh, rattle off some names, and you probably think I'm throwing shade on them. No, I'm not. I'm simply saying, is God using them? They're just the conduit. They're just the channel of blessing. But it's God that deserves all the glory. It's God that deserves all of the praise. For in him we live, move, and have our very being. David understood this. He began to give God his props, if you allow me to use that praise. Neither is there any God beside thee. Then he says, according to all that we have heard with our ears. How many of you know that faith cometh by hearing? (laughs) And hearing by the word of God. We got to learn to hear what thus saith the Lord. See, God could be speaking right now to each and every one, but in a different way. He could literally be ministering to somebody and you not aware of it. You don't know, like I know, what the Lord has done for me. See, you can't tell my story because it's mine. He goes on to say, and that one nation in the earth And what one nation in the earth is like thy people? There's nobody like us. Nobody like the saints of the most high God. We are a peculiar people. That's what Jesus says in the word. We're peculiar. We're holy people. He says there's none like them. Then he says, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem, for a people to himself. How many of you know you were bought with a price? Mm-hmm. I know you're looking good up in the house today, but you were bought with a price. It's not because of your good looks, not because of the money you got in the bank, not because of the bling-bling you got, but it's because he redeemed us redeemed I'm probably going to tell my age right now but how many of you remember green stamps H&H green stamps I think that's what it was called oh see come on well see what happens is you will go to the store and they give you this booklet and you get so many green stamps when you purchase so many items and you begin to fill the book And you know, like I know, that after so many books were filled, you were on your way to the store. What's going to happen when you get to the store? You're going to go up to the counter and you're going to say, I like to redeem these for that item. I like to redeem this for that product. And see what God did while we were yet in our sin. He thought enough of us. That he looked beyond our fault and saw our need and said, I need to redeem this people. I need to get them back to where they need to be. So he redeemed the people for himself and to make him a name. You see, when we live in such a way 
that brings glory and honor to God, we boost his name. We exalt his name. People begin to say, wait a minute, what church you go to? What's the name of your God? That gives you an opportunity. It's called a door of utterance. Somebody say, it's not about me. It really isn't. It's about him and his name. He has a name that's above every name. That it, His name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. He goes on to say, and to do for you great things. Let me just simply ask the question. Anybody expecting God to do some great things? Mm. I, I'm, I'm talking about great things. I'm talking about I have not seen nor ear have heard what God has in store for you and you and you. He wants to do something great because he's a great God. And he says, for thy land, for before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee. See, he's redeeming us. Where did he redeem us from? In typology, when you think of Egypt, you think of the world. He redeemed us from the world. He brought us out of the world and reconciled us to himself and said, now you belong to me. I know some of y'all got a problem with that. What you mean I belong to him? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. I know a lot of people say, man, salvation is free. <laughs> no, it costs something. It costs Jesus to hang suspended between heaven and earth, to have been beaten down like no man ever. And to take 40 stripes in his back. Why? Because one day he knew you were going to need a healing. Doctors couldn't do it. They throw up their hands. Mr. Haynes, I'm so sorry. We can't help you. But how many of you know the report I'm going to believe is the report of the Lord? The report of the Lord says, by his stripes, we are healed. So he goes on and he just shares with us. He brought us out of Egypt from the nation and their little G-O-D-S's. I put the emphasis on that because some people are caught up in some stuff and I'm trying to tell you, it ain't gonna last. And then he says this. I want you to really get this. He says, for thou hast confirmed to thyself, thy people Israel, to be a people unto thee forever. God didn't bring you on this side for you to backslide. Or oh, I'm talking to a spirit now. Not a person but a spirit. Because God wants you to know I'm married to the backslider. See you know in some marriages people literally walk out on the spouse and then it's over for all intents and wife you ever say I'm leaving you I said I'm going with you <laughs> ain't no leaving here but see what we have done we have gotten and allowed the world to get us to a place where we really really and truly forget from whence we came I, I don't know about you but I never want to be the old man again I, I can't afford a Lazarus to raise up 
I can't afford for that old man to raise up because he done so much for me and brought me up and out of Egypt land and took me away from the little G-O-D-S's I was serving. Hmm. Then he says this, to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. Rhetorical question, meaning no need for an answer. How many of you serve the one and only true God? Listen, he says forever, forever. Now he becomes our God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Then he says, do as thou have said. God, in essence, I want you to do as you promised. I, I want you to remember what you said when you delivered Noah and his family. When they got off of that boat, the ark, the Lord said, I'm going to put a bow in the cloud. I want you to know whenever you see that bow, what that means to you is that I'm a promise keeper. Because I'm telling you when you see that bow, it declares I'll never ever destroy this earth by water again. I know some of y'all said, well, I don't know. There was a tsunami there and all of those people got washed. What did he tell you? I will never ever destroy the earth again by water. He ain't say nothing about fire. Because there's fire this time coming around. Lord, do as thou have said. Let me give you a little fact here. God's word is filled with promises to his people. Anybody believe that? And it is believed that there are approximately 5,467 promises to which God is unchangingly committed and upon which believers can totally depend on. How many of you know you can believe on what God said? I'm going to tell you how emphatic I believe this. If God said, you see that train right there? Get on it. It's going to be pulled by a mosquito. See, I know I got some doubters in the house. Man, pastor, I believe God. But, uh, but if God said it, whether you believe it or not, that settles the issue. I figured somebody wasn't going to get on that train with me, so I'm moving on. Let me see. But, but I want you to know that, that for those that understand it, he's unchangeably committed to those that will depend on him. However, these promises are conditional. Somebody say they're conditional. Somebody say, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's meaning as a believer, we must do our part in obedience to God's word in order to see the promises come to pass. You see, God's promises were never meant to be thrown aside like a piece
piece of discarded trash into the trash can or to be kicked to the curb like nothing. However, the Lord delights in having his promises put into circulation. In other words, God delights when we come to him with a holy boldness and say, Lord, you said. <laughs> See, I think some of us fear that if we say, Lord, you said, he gonna get mad at us. No! He delights when we come to him. He loves to see his children bringing them up to him and say, Lord, do as thou hast said. We glorify God and show our confidence in him when we plead his promises. Again, do you really think that God is going to be upset with you? And let me ask you this. Do you think that you'll break heaven's bank, so to say, by God answering your prayer request in 2020? I want to help somebody right now. 2020 is the year of answered prayer. Oh, see, I, I can tell I ain't get many people because you don't believe your prayers. Well, let me help somebody else then. If you're going to pray, then you ought to believe. If you're not going to believe, then don't pray. One cancels out the other. I'm telling you right here, right now, some of you have been praying for some stuff for a long, a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you that in 2020, God is going to answer a prayer. But you got to remember, it's conditional. You got to do something. You can't bankrupt heaven. He said he owned the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. You can't bankrupt heaven by asking God something and he turning around and answering you? Or will you be any less holy for giving you holiness to you? Let me, let me say that again. Or will you be any less holy, meaning God, for giving holiness to you? Or do you imagine he will be any less pure for washing away your sins? This is what he said. Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, my brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, faith lays hold upon the promises of pardon. And it doesn't delay saying something like this. This is a precious promise. I wonder if it's true. Mm -mm. but it goes straight to the throne with it and he pleads Lord here is the promise do as thou hast said and our Lord's response be it unto thee even as thou wilt how do you want this year to turn out from God do you have enough faith to believe God either believe it receive it or don't believe it and be without it now which one you want to be you see our Lord's response, again, is to you and to me. It is unto thee as thy wilt. That's why I ask the question, what do you want from God? What do you want him to do? When a child of God grasps a hold of the promises of God and does not take it to God, it's like a sign that you're really dishonoring him. 
but when he takes it with a haste to the throne of grace and cries, Lord, all I've got is your word. See, that's the thing that differentiates us in a lot of foreign countries. When Pastor Ben Foley-Tatega comes to the United States, he comes by faith. He boards a plane. Now, of course, he has to have money to get on the plane. But when he comes here, he doesn't know if he's going to have any engagement. He doesn't know if anybody's going to have him for revivals. He comes by faith. And he, a lot of times, I look at him and I can see there's no worry at all because he has this kind of faith. And I think, as I was alluding to, differentiates us here in the United States and our brothers and sisters in other countries. Because guess what? We have things. All they have is God and his word. I'm going to tell you how hungry they are. There are sometimes, he told me, there are some meetings that they go to, and it's literally hundreds of people that walk to that meeting, and they will walk for miles. And there are sometimes that they don't have Bibles. And they say, can you just please give me a page of your Bible? All they have is the word of God. Every word of God is pure and he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. All they have is the word of God. That's all I've got, Lord, is your word. And you're not a man that you should lie. And you have not, have you not said this? And shall it not come to pass? Thou hast said it, therefore it is settled. And this is the confidence that I have in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you think that God is troubled by you reminding him of his promises? No. He loves to hear the outcry of the saints of the Most High God, the outcry of those who grab the hold to his promises and declare, I won't let you go until you bless me. You remember that account? Jacob wrestled all night long with, the Bible says, an angel. And when it started getting daylight, the angel said, let go of me. See, when you're desperate, somebody said, desperate people do desperate things. The angel literally was losing the battle because there was a desperate, an urgency that was in Jacob. And he says, let me go. He said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no. I won't let you go until you bless me. Then he asked this question, what is thy you see, in biblical days, a name meant something. It's not like how we name our kids and some stuff we don't even know how to spell. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we, we, we give them some names. And, I mean, we struggle ourselves. Well, how do I spell that? And we don't even know the meaning of the name. But in biblical days, your name represented your character. So that's why the angel said, what's your name? He said, my name is Jacob. I don't think he was boasting. Man, you you better ask somebody. I'm Jake. No, no, no. It wasn't like that. It was like, man, my name is Jacob. You see, because Jacob meant a supplanter, a trickster, a deceiver. He said, you know what? After this day, your name will no longer be called Jacob. You will be Israel because you're like a prince. See, that's why you got to get in this thing and get in it all the way. I won't let you go till you bless me. It is his delight to bestow his favor upon the life of that relentless believer. Are you a relentless believer? Or do you let the weather stop you from coming to church? <laughs> Are you a relentless believer? Or do you let somebody say something to you? He said, I ain't never going back to that church. They hurt my feelings. Can I, can I help somebody? Get over it. 
Jesus was hurt by those that said they loved him. But he kept on loving. He kept on caring. But some of us, we get so offended by the littlest things. But when you really grab a hold of this promise and you begin to declare, I won't let go till you bless me, I'm not going to let you stop my blessing. Again, if you are that relentless believer, you'll persevere. And let me ask you, or let me just simply make this statement. Believe it or not, the Lord is more ready to hear than you are to ask. Let me pass that by you again. The Lord is more ready to hear than you to ask. I want to help somebody because, see, somebody in here is living under self-condemnation. And because you fail God so many times, you just can't seem to part your lips to say, Lord, I need you. I, I messed up bad. But Lord, here I am just as I am. I'm wearied, I'm worn, but I know one thing. I found a resting place in you. But some of us, we, we just won't do it. We let that pride well up in us. We let that self-condemnation beat us down. But I'm here to tell you, he's more ready to hear you than you are to ask. Do you think that the sun is weary of shining or the fountain of flowing? It is God's nature to keep his promises because he's a promise. Talk back to me. So with that thought, come running. Come running to him at once to his throne of grace with these words. Do as thou hast said. Genesis 28, 15. And behold, I am with thee. And I will keep thee in all places whether thou goest and will bring thee again into the land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Numbers 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Have he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Isaiah 40 and 8. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. And make it plain upon tablets, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Titus 1 and 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. In Romans 4 and 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Hebrews 10 and 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. you father i gotta give you thanks because lord everything that you have done i didn't look at the now i thank you lord for the release of every chain everywhere i go god i gotta give you praise because you have heard my cry we have been smothered by the grace of god and it has brought us joy therefore lord we was able to make a joyful noise in this city we have learned to forgive 
And with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.